you ever wish that you could have a therapist as a friend? Well, now's your chance. I'm Marianne Griffith, and I'm the host of the Renewal Session Podcast, where each week we have real conversations about the messy and the meaningful things of life with me and some of my friends. I'm a therapist who's passionate about helping people break free of strongholds and create a better life. Pull up a seat and let's dive in to a real conversation. Welcome back to the renewal session. We are on part two of relational masks. Last week's episode, if you have not listened to it, go back and listen to it. It'll talk about the first three. But in this episode, Katie and I are going to follow up with the final three masks that people can use as barriers to keep themselves protected from other people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The good thing about last week's episode, too, is it sets the groundwork for the definition of, like, what a mask is and how to recognize them within yourself. So um, make sure that you go back and check that out before you hop in with us on this episode. But, um, yeah, it's going to be exciting because I think this episode is the one where I have to out myself of which one I am. Oh. Yeah. I forgot that yours did not come up. This is going to be super exciting. Yeah. So it's like a little treasure hunt. Yeah. So just to recap, the last episode we covered the avoider the deflector and the self blamer mm-hmm. right yeah so this week we're going to talk about the savior the aggressor and the spiritualizer right okay yeah so the savior right and these so you might be a savior if that you believe that everyone else's needs are more important than your own well you forgot to give them the little uh little side caption thing that we were doing last last episode of so you, like what the little extra definition is okay why so, don't you give the so extra the, definition the savior the the little side definition that the author gives us which this book that we're working out of is relational masks by russell willingham his little side definition that he gives is idolatry of serving Okay, anyway. So you might be a savior if. Go ahead, Mom. Okay. You believe everyone else's needs are more important than your own. Mm. You're a workaholic. You love serving God and others, but occasionally end up resenting it. You have a hard time delegating tasks. You see fun as a waste of time. And you are hurt when others fail to acknowledge the sacrifices that you are making in efforts to save them. Right. Yeah. Now, this is interesting because I as I was reading um, out of these these six types of relational masks. Yeah. As the book went on, I found myself becoming like kind of taken back a little bit when I got to the savior mask, mainly because I felt like, oof, this was this is like tough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I thought to myself, is it tough because I have this, I like this mask? Um, or is this tough just because his languaging has changed? But this is, this is where I got caught, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. He says, saviors are afraid of having needs. <laughs> saviors live in fear and a sense of dishonesty. They've programmed to be there for others and they find parts of their identity in it, right? So I was like, well, what are they afraid of? And his answer is, well, they're afraid of being 
needy. Yeah. Weak. Yeah. Overly vulnerable. Right. So they're they're very comfortable in caring for the needs of other people in attempts to find like their place in relationship. Mm, yeah. Right. Yep. But the minute you start to t- ask a savior about their needs, they'll shut down. Right. Right. Yeah. And and so as the, as his chapter went on, I thought to myself. Oh, I think I might be offended because this might be mine. Yeah, I. Uh, spoiler alert: This is the one I identify with. <gasps> yeah. Ooh, generational sin and bondage. <sighs> yeah. Legacy burdens. Yeah. Alert! Alert! I guess that's why I went on to be a social worker. Like huh. it was just easier to focus on fixing other people's issues than fixing my own. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and and what what he goes on to say is that. This savior type of person mm-hmm. has great can ha- be a person of great faith. Yeah, but also there there's an element of self reliance. Like I got this, God, I'll take care of this person. Yeah, because you you think, oh, I'm capable of fixing the issue for someone else, so I must be able to you know fix all things for all people if I just work hard enough. Right. And keep people at arm's length. Which is interesting because I think I think saviors, like we talked last week about uh, liabilities and assets, right? Yeah. And I think one of the assets of being a savior type of person is that you have a deep capacity for compassion yeah. and concern for other people. I think um, the willingness to say, hey, what do I need to do to help you? I'm in. Yeah. Right? I right. think that's a beautiful quality but there also can be like uh, a codependence that comes with it, yeah. Because their identity is is wrapped up in the serving of other people, right? Well, and then what do you do if you're a savior kind of personality and you find yourself in a relationship, whether that be romantic or just a regular relationship with someone who doesn't necessarily need you to save them? Like that challenges your savior complex. A hundred percent. You know, so I think that that can be really challenging. Well, and I think with saviors, there can be this frustration because if the person doesn't want you to fix them, if you will, just to use a different word. Right. Right. You can be offended. Yeah. But you can also feel like, well, what is my value added to this? Because you're cutting me off from the very thing that I think is one of my better qualities that I bring to the table. Yeah. Right. It's just listening. I remember one time Papa said to me, Papa is my husband, Katie's dad. Right. Um, Papa said to me, hey, when we go to dinner tonight, I just want you to be a listener. Oh, Lord. How'd that go? And I was like, what does that mean? I literally said, I don't I don't know what you mean. What does that mean? And he goes, you know, like, don't give your take on it. Don't offer any advice. Just like be like a. Huh. That's interesting. How did that go? Person. It was excruciating. Yeah. It was excruciating because I, I was like, what do you, I mean, and, and in some ways what I had to realize was that when you take away the, my ability to speak into something. Yeah. I quickly discovered that like, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, well, wait, what am I going to do with my mind? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So I, he, his, his suggestion really made me realize that I don't have to constantly make myself available to people. Yeah. But, and he thought he was, like, unburdening me in a sense, right? Like, yeah. oh, Marion, you really don't have to go in and take care of these people. And I was like, I don't know what to do with myself if I'm not kind of thinking through things that way. Right, yeah. Right? But I also think there could be a martyrdom that comes in with the Savior because if you don't get acknowledged yeah. for all that you're helping them with, then you can feel really frustrated. Yeah, totally. Right. Well, I also think one of the other risks that people run when they are saviors is that in order to um, not draw attention to their own messiness, they often will fill up their schedules and they'll make themselves busy with other people's issues, which sometimes can can lead to their own detriment. Even like if they prolong that process of dealing with their own stuff, you know, I, I experienced that. Like, if there's something really stressful going on in my life, I'm much more prone to filling my day with, like, menial tasks than actually facing the thing that's in front of me, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think you had a season of life not too long ago before you moved back to this area yeah. where you had a real savior thing going on. Oh. You were... Dating was, somebody at the time yeah, was, whose friend was very much in need, yeah. right? And you jumped into action yeah. to try to say, hey, we're going to let you stay here. We're going to fix all this stuff for you so that way you can get back up on your feet. And I didn't take care of myself through that process and woke up one day and realized I was completely dry emotionally. Well, also, I think what you did, what what you struggled with during that time was – you never once asked him, did he want to be saved? Right. Yeah, I just started doing it all for him. Right. And yeah. when, and then as time went on and he really wasn't taking responsibility or jumping in alongside you to make these, you know, changes, changes yeah. you actually ended up feeling bitter and resentful for... Yeah, that was a really tough season. I yeah. mean, when you put yourself out there like that and you devote so much of your emotional energy into fixing other people's lives it can be really exhausting to wake up one day and realize that there's no recognition for that yeah you know and there's no appreciation or um, thankfulness and I I think that's the wrong way to look at helping someone but you know that's my complex that I gotta deal with of like I can't just assume that because I help someone they're gonna be thankful for it but right. I was. I was assuming that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and and so, again, it, you know, like anything, there are there are assets and liabilities and running yourself ragged and give, pouring into people that maybe aren't wanting to be saved, yeah. overstepping boundaries, that type of thing, is a liability of this relational mask. However, the truth of the matter is, is that saviors are very compassionate, are willing to demonstrate a tremendous amount of mercy mm-hmm. and really are focused truly are focused on helping the other person right right it's so so there's a there's a real desire to to love and pray and and demonstrate um christ-like qualities towards a person but 
when it becomes something that you do for your identity mm-hmm. is when it becomes the liability. Right. When you do it in so that you will feel good about yourself, so that you will have a sense of pride, yeah. then it doesn't become about demonstrating Christ to that person. It becomes about you. Right, which is what happened. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's really when the bitterness and the, and the harboring can, of frustration can really come into the situation. Well, and you run the risk of interfering with what God is trying to teach that person because you're stepping in and saying, here's how I'm going to fix all of these things for you. And you eliminate the problem that God might be using to teach them a lesson. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think, you know, there's a fine line between bringing your competency mm. to a situation and being a controlling person. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Right. And sometimes um, this type of personality or type of relationship dynamic really is because the, uh, you know, the the savior, the identified savior in this has a real competency in this, in this situation. Yeah. But it can really quickly shift to being controlling. Over, mm-hmm. over things, yeah. right? So we yeah. have to really walk that fine line. So some tips for the, us, because yeah. we are now admitting to to everyone that we are... We have savior complexes, people. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And we are in helping for professions, and that's another yeah. piece of it, just to another layer. There's a lot of helping for profession people tend to have this mask as well, yeah. right? Yep. So I think some of the tips to, to handle this is really about... Not carrying the world on your shoulders, but but getting on your knees and praying and studying about like how would God use you and let your promptings towards helping another person be a response to God's nudging mm-hmm. for you, but not and then trying always to stand in step with God. Right. Right. The other part is, and and we will have to do a whole series of episodes on this because I'm telling you, if anybody wants to know the magic pill of life. They, here it is, people. Write it down. Curiosity. Oh, yeah. You've said that before. Right? Curiosity is a game changer. And I think if if you can take a posture of curiosity, yeah, then you are going to utilize whatever information the other person provides you with right. to, to know where do I start and where do I hand it off. Right. Right? And then also doing an inventory of your own, where am I? Yeah. Like, what are my needs? What am I stuffing? What am I struggling with? And begin to to not only take care of another person, but take care of yourself in that, right? Okay, so I feel a little bit disappointed because the cat's out of the bag that we've now named these, that we are both this. Yeah, but we've still got some, some juicy content. Okay, so now the next... Sorry, I hated that I just said that. <laughs> why, why did you say the word juicy? I don't juicy? know. I just was saying, like, these are... These are exciting. Exciting, yeah, that's what I meant. Scratch that. I didn't say juicy. Pretend it didn't happen. Okay. okay. Anyway. Okay. So the next, the next mask is called the aggressor. Would you like to, to? Yeah. So the little side definition is hostility as a shield. Ooh. <laughs> you like that little ooh I know. at the it gives end. A dramatic impact. Right. Yeah. Have you ever met this person? Oh, have you? No, I don't know this person at all. Oh my gosh, these people scare me. They do. They just I whenever I think of the aggressor, right? I think of like a person that's very confidently outspoken, 
knows what they're doing, has an agenda, like, and is fully focused on whatever that thing is that they're trying to do. And I get a little intimidated because I'm more of a type B personality. What? I would say that, yeah. Why would you say that about yourself? I'm an organized type B. I would say I'm more on the artistic side. Huh. Yeah, I'm more like an artsy-fartsy kind of, like, take my time with stuff. But I'm organized about it. But whenever I think of the... No, no. Why does why does fartsy always go with artsy? Artsy, fartsy. I don't know. It's just fun. Who doesn't love a good fartsy? <laughs> <laughs> You're so ridiculous. Well, I think of aggressors as being non-relational. Right. Matter of fact, in your face. Yeah. There's no warmth, really. But then, like, the, the other thing is that the aggressors are also highly productive people. Right, they're really good at managing people, seeing people's strengths and coordinating, you know, who's a good grouping and who's gonna be the most productive. They also are able to remove people who are ineffective and <laughs> use them for cross purposing. So if they're not effective in one setting, it's no skin off their back, they're gonna help that person to be effective in another setting by being confident and not kind of beating around the bush around those kinds of things. Which all of what you're saying is such... It's It's managerial kind of... It's like a manager kind of attitude. When I think of... I'm like, I would not be a good manager, but people that are good at managing people have a lot of these aspects. Wait a minute. And again, I don't want to get us off topic, but you don't... I think you would be a great manager. I think what you're saying is I'm not comfortable in the seat of aggression... Right, yeah, I would but have a hard time with. I would have you, a hard time with conflict. I think. Huh, but whereas aggressors, I think, are able to tactfully handle conflict. Yeah, I, yeah. I think you know. I, I, earlier, I said, "Oh, I don't really know this pe- person," but I, I actually, a person is coming to mind, and one of the things that I remember being so uncomfortable with around the, a person that related like this mm-hmm. was, I felt like. I was kind of always walking on eggshells. Like, I had to really be careful about how I said things or it could turn on a dime. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, because I think they they have a quick volatility mm-hmm. to, to coming back at somebody. And, and they tend to be very driven, like you said, very agenda-focused. Very competent people. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's like the best and the worst wrapped up in one if it's not balanced properly. Right. That's the important thing is being able to have somebody that is able to balance the aggressor. Because I think sometimes, you know, um, an aggressor might find that they, you know, might need somebody in their life that helps to soften them. You know, like somebody that's going to, like, the aggressor might make the final call, but they have somebody that delivers the news, you know, or yeah. like somebody that can kind of help to soften the, um, the, the aggressor. The aggression. The aggression of the aggression. <laughs> because I don't think that, I don't think that they mean to come off as aggressive, but I think sometimes it's a delivery thing. But also it's, there's, um, the aggressor has a very high capability for having a distinct, dis- succinct that's the word succinct ability to make decisions if that makes sense like yes. they're able to see good and bad right and wrong very easily and there's not a lot of gray it's a very quick decision making ability what's interesting though is a question that often I will find myself you know questioning a person in counseling about is what are you afraid is going to happen if you aren't aggressive mm. 
yeah. right? And really quickly you can get to the reality of there is an underlying fear of being powerless. Yeah. Right? That so I have to stay on guard and my aggression not only keeps me on guard, but it keeps everybody else on guard. Yeah. But if you break it down, if you pull back all of that stuff, what you will find is there's a deep longing to be connected to. Yeah. But there's some kind of story of which there's been an abandonment or a sense of powerlessness that has led this person to saying, this is the better way to protect myself. Yeah. Right? So the very things that they say they want when they're in their more vulnerable places, like meaningful relationship, cooperative um, discussion, all of those types of things, reality is their aggression prevents that relational component to emerge and the aggression becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that only proves the point that people can't be trusted. Yeah. Well, right? and I think they also probably struggle with with viewing people that are more nurturing and emotional as less than. Yes. That's, that's another thing of like seeing that as a weakness rather than an asset. Yeah. And so last week when we talked about the avoiders, right, the avoiders act their fear out by running from the first sign of trouble. Yeah. Oh, it's getting tense in here. We're out. Yeah. Right. But the aggressor act out theirs by rejecting others before they can reject be rejected themselves mm. so they will pre preemptively abandon other people jump ship yeah right um because they don't want to be seen as weak or pathetic or stupid yeah. so competency becomes a, a, a real cornerstone of their personality yeah being assertive to the point of aggression yeah it's the better choice yeah for them so, you know, like anything, we've always said there's assets and liabilities. So I, we kind of covered those assets, but I want to line them out really clearly because these are people, so the assets of an aggressor, right, is they are capable. They are, they are able to see the bottom lines of things, the bigger picture. They're able to stay motivated and understand like okay a person you said this earlier a person might not be used well over here but over here they would be better and i i sometimes think it's like they would they would say if everybody could just shut up and do what i say we'll be fine here right yeah <laughs> even as those words come out of my mouth i'm like ooh, that sounds like a dream what yeah i was gonna say it sounds like my dad oh Sometimes you just can't get people to cooperate. So it would be nice to have the ability to say that sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, yes, it does sound like you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> but they are incredibly self-starting, capable people who have the best interest yeah. at heart for whatever the situation is. The ways they go about getting it, though, yeah. are not helping them. Right. Right. So I think it's important to remember that just like there are with, strengths involved with 100%. being an aggressor. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I think the tips for the aggressors really comes down to love people more than the task. Yeah. Right. Don't let don't let what needs to happen trump the people. Right. Be mindful of your presentation so that people can see your gifts and your talents 
rather than your intensity. Mm. Right? Find boundaries. Make sure you swim in your own lane. Aggressors consistently go outside of their lanes. Mm -hmm. They're trying to tell everybody how to do something. Yeah. Right? And and let God lead. Yeah. Let, let him be the one that directs how you go forward in conversation. And then the other thing, and this is another one of my little magic pills. It's called circle back. Yeah. Right? When you screw up people, when you do things that you know are not honoring to the other people in your lives, and you have that, like, tinge of, oh, I wish I had done that better. Yeah. Circle back. Yeah. Revisit the conversation. Yeah. Exactly. People don't circle back nearly enough. Right. Okay. So our final mask. Yeah. Oof. This is a tough one. Yep. Because in Christian circles, right? This, this is going to trigger some people. Yeah, yeah. So go ahead. Talk about it. So the last one that we have is the spiritualizer. Oof. And that is when we, uh, this little side definition is using God as a mask. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Sorry, I had to do it. I just had to. Because it was the last one or because you've done one. them all It was the last way. one, but also because it is a little eerie because I went to a Christian college. So I saw a lot of this. Well, which, you know, I we could almost do a whole episode just on... Christian colleges? Believe me. No. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, so you might be a spiritualizer if you see Christians with different beliefs or practices as less spiritual mm. than you, right? Or you believe that everything can be answered in life with a verse or a quote from Christian literature. Yeah. Um, you have very deep-rooted opinions about the correct theological doctrinal beliefs. Yeah. Um, you're uncomfortable outside of your Christian bubble. Mm. And it's crucial to you that others see the wisdom of your beliefs. And you can often believe that emotions get in the way of spirituality. Yeah. Right? Um, and so I think, and there are lots of subsections of this one that we won't go into. Yeah. Um, we'll just stay general. Yeah. Yeah. But, but there are certainly subsections within the, the spiritualizer that, um, based sometimes on upbringing, sometimes on theological perspective or, um, church affiliation. Yeah. You're going to express your spiritualizing differently. Yeah, totally. Right. Yep. So let's just talk maybe for a second about like what 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 have we seen that can you think of an instance in your life where you went to talk to somebody about something and you were met with a spiritual mask? Ooh. Yeah, I think that um I you know, so I went to a Christian college and um, I was going for a social work degree, and social work by profession is a very, um, I would say probably more liberal-leaning profession. You know, we have to deal with a lot of different populations and... Social issues. Social issues. Yeah, you're confronted with a lot of really tough things, and going to a Christian college for a social work degree was really interesting because I don't feel like I learned the ins and outs of everything. There were definitely topics that were avoided um and so we were i remember there was this one class where we were talking about lgbtq rights and um it, we were just met with just pray for that person 
And that was the only advice that we were given. And I think, you know, that's kind of difficult because as a Christian and as a social worker, I want to love that person through whatever their experience is and meet them there. But I also want to be an effective social worker and provide them whatever resources they might need. And so it was was kind of interesting because I felt like it was a very spiritual response to a very real world problem. And there wasn't much room for discussion because since that um, didn't line up with the values of of, of this particular professor, I just wasn't given any resources. There was no further room for discussion about it. That was it. Wow. And so I think that that, you know, that's just like a surface example. But I think that that was something that I was aware of, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like there wasn't room for it. There wasn't room for additional conversation because it didn't line up with Christian values. Therefore, we're not going to talk about it. And I think that that can happen when people... um, tend to use God as a mask um, of, of their conversations that don't line up with faith always. And I think that that can be really hard when you're trying to reconcile real life issues with faith, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point of that, you know, sometimes we can offer up prayer, but it, is it, are we praying for them because we think they're sinners in need of prayer and saving or are we, you know, I mean, it's just becomes complicated. Yeah. Well, it's even hard to talk about here. I think if we're being honest as podcasters, because it's a really complicated conversation and it's very touchy. Yeah. You know? And so I think that the, the reality of it is that when people are spiritualizers, there's a lot of assets to that. You know, they tend to be full-time Christians and they're, like it is an all-encompassing part of their life, which can be a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they have a very real understanding of what their values are. They know the traditions of the church. They're passionate about Jesus, standing their ground on important moral issues, which I think is a thing that, you know, I would say a lot of people in the world right now are pretty like neutral on things because it's the safer option. But yeah. when you're a spiritualizer, you tend to have really strong personal beliefs which is a great thing. You have convictions, but I think also that can lead to um, narrow conversations with people, if that makes sense. Well, also conversations that kind of can hit a brick wall. Yeah. Right. Like I was, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, I I didn't have that. Ironically, I went to seminary. Yeah. And granted, I got my master's in counseling, and so we're not talking about social social justice issues or cultural, um, you know, zeitgeists that are going on. We're, we're really looking at theory and technique against God's word. Um, but I felt very much the opposite experience of what I thought I was going to go into seminary and have, I thought seminary was going to kind of narrow things down. And what seminary actually did for me was open things up because people were having really interesting conversations and using language that was fitting to my personality. Yeah. I I think for me, the spiritualizer um, and anybody that knows me in life knows that I have a real aversion to what I use, I say in air quotes, right? But the sweet sister. Yeah. Right. So I, my spiritualizing experience, negative experience has been when people use language mm. like l- spiritual language that sounds like fluffy and 
sweet yeah, and right. minimizes the intensity or quickly puts a, you know, some kind of Band-Aid on the situation. And I can remember um, that I was sharing a story of something that had happened in, in my life. And it was a pretty traumatic experience that I was sharing with this person. And they just, they looked at me and they said, oh, you know what? God is good. And I literally was like, huh? Yeah. Like, I'm sharing trauma with you. Yeah. And you just say God is good. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, you know, just that he took you out of those circumstances and put you right here today where you are. God is good. Yeah. Deliverance. And I was like, "Uh, okay. Yeah. And then I went on a little bit more. And I was sharing something, you know, in the same conversation, same topic, right? Mm. And the person said, I just love that that God meets you where you are. Yeah. And I was like, again, what are you saying? Right. It doesn't even make sense. Right? So, So I found almost like there was like a... A lack of depth. Yeah. It was a quick response. Like, I had this visualization as the person was talking to me of, like, there was a a spiritual sayings jar sitting on their counter, and they stuck their hand in. They pulled it out, and they said, the Lord is with you. Yeah. Holy Spirit is in the room. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, Mm -hmm. and what, what was interesting was that I was having this very strong reaction, but what I understand now is that person was also on their side struggling with how to respond to me. And so they were in a weird, in in their own way, offering me up truth, but we're doing it in a way that didn't create an attachment. Yeah. Right. And so spiritualization can sometimes rob people, the people that are talking of true intimacy yeah, and attachment to God. Right. Because they just plop this little saying on top of it or they they use words that I don't even know what they mean. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what you're saying. Right. Uh, you know, we're all we're all in a sisterhood. Uh, what okay. does that mean if you don't actually live life together, though? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I appreciate that, you know, that same person, one of the gifts that they have is they will pray for you. Yeah. Right? They will search scripture and bring a word forward to share with you as a, as a word of encouragement or a, a, a word of correction. And I love that. I love having friends that will go there. Yeah. Right? But when it feels like a barrier, yeah, that's when I go, oh, something about this doesn't feel good. Yeah, and I even as a therapist, I was sitting in, um, with a client one time, and they had gone through a really, really tough things growing up, right? And and I just asked a very basic question of, you know, as you look back on that experience in your life. What are what is something that you really wish for mm-hmm. to look different? Like yeah. you know what 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 could you have different out of that? And and they just said, you know, the Lord provides, and I'm just so grateful for my church family. And you know, went on about how God had done these great things in their life. But as they're doing it, they're tearing up. Mm. So I said can you can we just stop for a second and can I ask you about what it is you might be feeling right now yeah 
And they said, nothing. Nothing? Nothing. And I was like, uh, wait, so we're talking about you being abused as a child. Yeah. Then you told me that your church really walked these these painful things out with you. Yeah. You're you're clearly feeling an emotion. Yeah. And you say I nothing. Because what was happening was the spiritualization was not covering up the wound. Oh. Enough, right? Yeah. So the person's wound was coming forward but they couldn't grasp hold of of a spiritualization to cover it fast enough. Mm. And I and I remember saying cuz it was the first time I ever did it. I remember saying would it be okay if I just said to you what my experience of your story is? Mm. And I said, I, I know the same God that you know. And I, too, have had experiences that align with some of what you've gone through. But I want you to know I see you. And I understand how hard you've worked in order to get to where you are today. Yeah. But I don't want us to forget about the girl, the little girl that went through this. Yeah. Right? And that that Jesus loves her mm. just as much as Jesus loves the woman that sits here today. And oh, my gosh. I think that there's somebody listening that just was impacted by that. Oh, you're sweet. No, I think there probably is. I mean, I think that spirituality can definitely be an easy mask to put on when it feels like a safe thing. Yeah. You know, I think that that's a, you know, I went through that a little bit in college where I was so bamboozled and I felt like so out of my element because everybody was so much more spiritual than me. And so I had to, in some respect, put on this mask of like, I can talk the talk, I can walk the walk, I know Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, I think that it definitely is an easy thing to feel comforted by, but it also can limit the way that we interact with people because when you are presenting yourself that way um, and you're using it as a mask, it can make conversations with people that see the world differently than you a little bit more challenging. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so I think I think it's it's a beautiful thing to speak God's love and peace and comfort into the life of another person. Absolutely. But we always want to make sure that it holds the richness in which God wants us to experience it. Yeah. Right. And and so I think sometimes where spiritualizers can can get off off course a little bit is that it just becomes an antidote mm-hmm. rather than, you know, tied to a rich element of God's character. Yeah. And his presence. I'm doing this uh, I'm a manual prayer group. Yeah. And I, you and I have actually been doing this where we look at scripture, particular um, sections of scripture. And we, we're doing this in our book club this time. Yeah. And we take these p- sections of scripture and then we discuss them and we identify um, these seven realities that God's always at work around us, that he's inviting us to a close and personal relationship. And one of the things that I keep seeing over and over again in these verses that we're reading is that that they are called by name. Yeah. Right? And I think when when we share spiritual things, when we share who God is with another person, we want to make sure that we're speaking to them on a real and personal level, yeah. the truth of who how God sees them. Right. Right? Because that's where real change takes place 
in the life of a person is when you speak God's love into them in a really, you know, intimate way. Well, and I think the other thing is for a spiritualizer to focus on is that in order to achieve that level of depth, we also have to be willing to see sin in ourselves and we have to be willing to see the gray area Mm-hmm. And we have to be willing to have hard conversations that might challenge our faith, you yes. know, or or they feel like that topic is out of the scope of my knowledge of scripture, you know, or, you know, I've, I, I've never encountered that myself in my life, but I can empathize and I can pull myself out of my spiritual mask enough to relate to you on a level where I feel like it's maybe beyond my, like my experience but i can relate to you because i've felt a similar emotion yes yeah and i and i you and i have talked about this on a number of times right that um people really just want to be known seen and understood and that in 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 that they don't there's not a requirement that we've shared the exact same experiences right yeah but rather that you just see me know me and understand me yeah and can speak truth, love, and correction, and yeah. all kinds of things over me. Because when when you can when you can really connect with a person, yeah, even if they are not where you are spiritually, even if they are not where you are relationally, they will let you speak into those more vulnerable places. Yeah, because you have proven yourself to be a person who's safe. Yes, exactly. Yes, and that's really why. We, we want to highlight these assets and these liabilities because we want everyone to recognize, yes, life is tough. Things happen and, and we develop coping strategies and relational masks, right, that keep barriers between us and another person. But when we really strip it away, there are great qualities that we can be demonstrating to other people. Exactly. But this is where we have to start discerning who's safe and who's unsafe. Right. Right. So that's where we're going to go next. Right. We've talked about these limiting beliefs in a couple episodes ago. We've gone into limiting beliefs can create relational barriers between us and another person. And so we put on these masks. Now we're going to start talking about the idea of, okay, I want to be all of what I can be Mm -hmm. emotionally, but I want to do it with discernment of who's safe and who's not safe right so that's where we're going next people we're going to talk about like how do we start to discern between safe and unsafe people yeah and or safe and unsafe information yes to give out to people because sometimes we just assume all information is safe information 100 percent. and that's you know they can be a safe person but that information is not safe for them yes you know yeah, I remember somebody saying to me one time, and we can rediscuss this on the on that episode. But I remember this woman I didn't particularly care for <laughs> making a comment to me. I'd shared something personal when I was younger, right? And she looked at me and she said, "What have I done to earn that information?" Oh my gosh! And I was like, "Wow, uh oh." I was like, well, you don't really have to do anything to earn it. It's just I wanted to share. Yeah, I'm just like all about oversharing my life. <laughs> Girl, same. 
<laughs> I do that. I do. I, I overshare just, for the purposes of bonding. Yeah, just to earn relationship. Yeah, but yeah. we can talk about that on the next. Yeah. One. So I'm excited for that. I feel yeah. like we're like uh, in a groove and, and yeah. we're really like digging helps, out. Some I think things. it helps that I live here. That definitely made made an impact of being able to record face to face rather than on Zoom. Okay, that's not the groove I was talking about. Oh. I feel like there's a groove there. but okay. Yeah, no, that's definitely a groove. The groove I was talking about was, it, for a long time, it was like, oh, we're going to touch on this. Oh, oh yeah, we're going to touch on that. And it, it was, was random. Just, yeah. It felt random. I don't know that it was completely random, but it certainly felt random. Whereas now I feel like I'm wanting people to link it together, where like one episode gives you a lot of information, but when you combine multiple episodes together, we're walking you through purposeful concepts and change. Yeah. Right? Yep. So look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Bye, everybody. All right. Have a great week. We'll see you back next week. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Renewal Session Podcast. Make sure to head on over to iTunes and rate and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are dropping every Thursday, and I can't wait for you to tune in to next time. Until then, live your best life.